episode 55 of the shock shock Knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network sean st jacques back here with you breaking down everything Knicks and nba during the past week a lot to get to hope you're doing all right out there as well as you can be during this difficult time at the moment we'll get to the bubble we'll get to everything going on in orlando coming up in the second half of the show as we always do we save the nba news for the second segment because we want to take care of the knicks business first around here we're starting with the new york knickerbockers news some quick hits this week we'll get to the draft a little bit later on in the segment every week we're going to try to preview the draft we're going to get to some prospects we're going to get to a couple that you guys have suggested to talk about and we'll get to some that uh have been trending a little bit over the last couple of weeks uh and the last week in particular a couple of guys have stood out we'll get to one in particular later on in this segment but first we'll dive into some of the quick hits in the news surrounding the knicks this week i think the leader in the clubhouse for knicks news has to be the jason kidd interview with the knicks organization apparently jason kidd report apparently he reportedly wowed in the interview but tom thibodeau is still considered the front runner apparently his interview was great um the relationship uh with tom thibodeau though and leon rose apparently might not be toppled though despite how good the interview was of course william wesley um has the relationship there as well could prove to be insurmountable according to multiple sources um ESPN's Jalen Rose apparently told the New York Post over the weekend that Kidd, now a Lakers assistant, is the better choice because of his potential in either developing stars such as Giannis Antetokounmpo or attracting those stars. I, I It's a double-edged sword with what Jalen Rose is saying, but I'll get to that second. This, that, that's my second thing I'll get to here. First comment right off the bat is great i'm glad jason kidd's interview went over well but i i kind of like what i hear here for lack of a better term there's two different here's by the way in that two different spellings of the word here in that last sentence um (laughs) i like what i hear based on the report because i for me and you guys know this you guys have known this from the beginning my stance on tom thibodeau i think he's the best man currently for the job that's out there at the moment the i'm glad that you know a lot of big candidates are interested again the thing that worried me was the amounts not who specifically especially you know again when tom thibodeau kenny atkinson jason kidd and then you're throwing Mike Miller in there as well, who was the interim coach at the back end of last season. When those are arguably right now your top four candidates, it's a solid group. I can't, I, and I haven't argued that from the beginning. That hasn't been my concern. My concern has been the assistants, the no names, the randoms that have been thrown into this mix. And we'll get to one of those new ones in a second. It's not really in the mix, but people have been throwing his name around. And I'll get to why he intrigues me in a second. But. I I think this is the best case scenario if the news is true, obviously. I think that I'm glad Jason Kidd interviewed well. I'm also glad that Tom Thibodeau remains the top choice. I, I just think it, that that makes sense to me. Like that that like that's not 
Like, it's not like the report was, Jason Kidd was so good, Nick second-guessing Tom Thibodeau as, as first choice. That would worry me a lot, because that <laughs> that would tell me, how well, like, what did he promise you, money? Like, what, what did he do? Like, did he bribe you under the table? Like, I, I don't know. But that, that makes sense. And listen, Jalen Rose's point, on paper, really doesn't make any sense to me. Like, when I read that the first time, I thought was, well, what is Jason, who is Jason Kidd coached that, you know, has, you know, what, what power does Jason Kidd have not only to coach these guys, but to get them to come to New York? Like, that, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I don't, I don't know what the pull was that, that, I get he's a player, but, like, that doesn't, I don't think Jason Kidd is enough to get over the James Dolan hurdle or the New York hurdle. You know, I, I, I'm not, I don't buy that. I, I'm not so sure that that's true. I think that's a little bit of, for some reason, I don't know why Jalen Rose would feel that way, but maybe it, it, it felt a little overly optimistic about what Jason Kidd can do to me. That did not feel, that didn't make sense to me. That did not really add up, in my opinion. Um, because... Tom Thibodeau has gone further with arguably better players and arguably better teams than Jason Kidd's ever coached. And you can argue Kenny Atkinson has done that as well. So I, I don't, that doesn't really specifically, and I'm not comparing resume to resume or even guy to guy here. I'm really just breaking down what Jalen Rose said. And, on, and again, on its face, that doesn't really add up to me. But listen, there's, there's something to be said about Jason Kidd's, uh, development of players in general but and i get and i get it kid has a relationship with Giannis antetokounmpo but i i don't get i don't i don't see that being enough like i, I don't think that that's gonna be Giannis saying hey i'm gonna pack up my bags and go play with this team that has no other stars like i, I don't buy that but Jalen rose is obviously saying well he can not only get Giannis, but maybe if he gets Giannis, other people will come get Giannis first number one, and number two, easier said than done, I'll even throw in a number three, uh, yeah, good luck with all that, because no one's done it yet with this Knicks team since Melo came here, so good luck getting Giannis if you're Jason Kidd, now maybe that's why he did well in this interview, who knows, maybe he said, hey, just throwing this out there, I know Giannis, I've coached Giannis, I've got a good relationship with Giannis, I could get him to come here, I'm just saying, don't, hey, hey, I'll leave you my card. Leon, just give me a call. I'll let you know. I got the Greek freak on line one. I don't buy that. I, I don't. I mean, I buy that he could call Giannis whenever he wants. I don't buy that he can get Giannis to come to New York. I don't buy that. I don't. I, I think that that is, hey, I know somebody, if you hire me, and give me millions of dollars, I may or may not be able to get that person for you. That's not good enough for me. With the way the Knicks ha have been treated in the free agency market over the last 10 years, it, why would you trust that? It makes no sense. But there's other positive qualities about Jason Kidd. For me, the biggest thing with Jason Kidd is probably his point guard experience. What he can do with a young point guard if the Knicks draft one. That would be just massive potentially for this team. You know, you get a Lamelo Ball in there, you get a Cole Anthony in there, or a Tyrese Halliburton. 
Jason Kidd would be a phenomenal person to be a mentor to that kid. He's been through everything. No pun intended. I think that'd be a phenomenal combination to bring in a just one of the best point guards in the class. Maybe two point guards if you're feeling lucky with a second, late first, early second rounder. And you go to work. I like that, to be honest with you, a lot more than, hey, I'm just saying Giannis might be interested if I get this job. Okay, Jason, thanks. Thanks, thanks for your thoughts on that. For me, I look at what he could possibly bring from the point guard experience to his coaching and bringing that to a youngster. I think that makes me a little bit more excited than, hey, I know people. What do you think? And I'm sure Leon Rose is probably thinking, if he's smart, yeah, I I also know people, Jason. Thanks. So, I, I again, all, all, all in all, it's positive. I just, again, as a Nick fan and as someone who should be a skeptical Nick fan, like many of you out there who are smart about this, again, there's... There's a lot of pros from that report, but consider the cons as well as this moves forward. A lot of stuff out this week from SNYZ and Begley about possible trades that can improve the Knicks as well. Apparently, the Knicks not only want to add young players to the roster, potentially in trades, but also add big pieces potentially as well. Here's some of the quotes uh, from Begley. In general, quote, my guess is that Rose and the Knicks will be aggressive in pursuing trades for young, talented players if the opportunity presents itself. Quote, I'd also, and I think this is actually, uh, yeah, this was this was very recent. I'd also guess that the club will have a significant number of veterans on the roster next season in part in an effort to surround the younger players with knowledge and experience. That is, a, a, end quote, by the way. That's a given. I think any, I mean, this has been the model right? I mean, the last couple of seasons for the most part, that's been the plan. That That's not changing. You know, it's it's not really any, that's not up for debate. That's that's going to be what this is until stars come in, basically. And even when stars come in, they're, they're going to occupy all the salary. So that's going to continue. So that, again, nothing new there. But he adds, quote, we know that some teams believe LaMelo Ball and his circle would prefer to land in New York. The Knicks had Ball as, a top, as the top point guard on their board weeks ago. We don't know if the club is open to trading up to acquire the guard, end quote. That is what I wanted to talk about a little bit because, and again, I want to get to Ima Yudoka's connection to the Knicks as well from the New York Post also, but let's start with the Knicks and LaMelo Ball. We've talked about LaMelo Ball a number of times on the show, and Listen, it makes sense that LaMelo Ball, and by the way, he's kind of, you know, again, since the beginning of the season, he's climbed up the board quite a bit. He was always considered the best of the three uh, Ball brothers by a long shot, especially compared to Leangelo Ball, who's not going to make it to the NBA. But Lonzo Ball was considered by far uh, the second best. And then, you know, again, it's Leangelo, big step up to Lonzo, and then a little bit of higher step, and apparently that's where LaMelo Ball is supposed to be. He's supposed to be slightly better than Lonzo. And again, Lonzo's turning into a pretty solid NBA player. So there's apparently, you know, again, that the sky could be the limit for LaMelo. You don't, you know, that that's a possibility here. But 
based on his experience playing professional overseas, his skill set in general, it makes sense. He's probably going to go second or third in this draft. That would be my guess. It all depends on where the Knicks land in the lottery. That will determine whether or not the Knicks are comfortable either staying where they are, potentially, if they get really lucky and they move up the board quite a bit, and thinking they can get LaMelo Ball there. And again, the really, the, there was only three conceivable spots where the Knicks could be where they would think, we've got a shot at LaMelo Ball. And those spots are two, three, and four. Those are really the only three spots. Again, if they get number one, we're talking, there's a, there's a different... If you get the number one overall pick, there's a different, um, there's a different gl- pair of glasses you have to put on the number one overall pick. Now you're looking at who's the best player in the draft. That's what you look at at that point in, in time. Just because Lamelo Ball's the top point guard doesn't necessarily mean he is or isn't the top player on the Knicks board. My guess is he's not the number one player on the Knicks board. That's my guess. My guess they either have Anthony Edwards, maybe Obi Toppin, maybe even James Wiseman up there at number one. Lamella Ball, though, by far is probably their best point guard prospect on the board. I'd probably put Cole Anthony second and or Tyrese Halliburton right around there as well, second or third. So if you get second, the second pick, the third pick, or the fourth pick, then they're the debate comes, right? Do you stay where you are or do you trade up? If the Knicks are five, six, or seven, the debate is even bigger as to do you trade up to get a top three pick? Because if you stay if you stay there, you are conceding that you are not going to get LaMelo Ball in this draft. That's what's going to happen. LaMelo Ball is a lock to be a top five pick, and I think he's probably going to be a top three pick. In this draft, I'd be shocked if he's any lower than five or six in this draft. I mean, it, it would be a catastrophe, not only for for his dad and him and the brand, but like again, looking at again, just looking at right now who the top five picks are, who's got the top five picks: Golden State, Cleveland, Minnesota, Atlanta, and Detroit. All five, you could argue, besides Golden State, could use a point guard. Maybe, actually, forgive me, forgive me. Atlanta is obviously not a part of that either. But the other three, there's an argument that can be made that a point guard is needed. So you got to get ahead of Detroit. Detroit is going to be looking for a point guard most likely in this draft. Minnesota could easily be looking for a point guard. Cleveland's the, the wild card here. Cleveland could be looking for a lot of things. Cleveland doesn't have a whole lot. You know, again, you look at their roster at the moment. I don't know what Cleveland's really trying to do going forward for the future. I I don't know if, you know, hey, they've got their title and they're just going to stink for the rest of, you know, the rest of our lifetimes here. But I I think that you look at Cleveland and I don't know. I, I, I stumble with them because... And listen, I think at some point Cleveland will be good again, you know, if they draft properly and they get the right front office in there and and things like that. I'm not I'm not going crazy about that, but they're not going to be good for a while if 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 they keep I guess 
throwing the money around that they're throwing around. I, I don't know. Here's what I think will likely have to happen for them. It's going to come down to when these big contracts expire, right? That's number one. When Kevin Love is off the books, when Tristan Thompson is off the books. Listen, there's some decent talent on this team. You look at Colin Sexton. Right now, he's and and he's the he's the alpha guard at the moment. He's the top guard on this team. Dante Exum, uh, to be honest with you, I think people as soon as I said that, that name, they're probably like, huh, he's still in the league? Yeah. He's still in the league and he plays for Cleveland. Darius Garland is the other point guard on the roster. So Cleveland could conceivably pass on a point guard. It's easily possible that they do that. Obviously, Matthew Dellavedova is still on the roster as well. Um, I don't know. I, I, they probably won't take a guard, but they could. <laughs> I mean, they easily could. I mean, they probably want to see what they get at Darius Garland first. But, and listen, Colin Sexton is a guy that I liked a lot coming out of Alabama. He's had a decent start to his NBA career, no question about that. But I just, listen, there'll be the questions out there. If the Knicks really want LaMelo Ball and they've got the third pick, do they think about trading up? My guess is if they have the third pick, they won't. Fourth pick, well, where we really have to, that'll be a real debate because Minnesota I can't imagine if LaMelo Ball's there, they don't take him. I'd be shocked, right? I, I, I don't, they don't need a center, so James Wiseman's kind of off the board. Obi Toppin's probably going to go one or two, along with Anthony Edwards. So Cleveland likely takes Obi Toppin here, unless Anthony Edwards doesn't go to Golden State. Again, that's all up in the air, obviously, because the, the draft lottery could change everything. But... Again, the Knicks are at six. If you're at six, there is an argument. You just stay there and you take what you get. And and what what you get could be Cole Anthony or Tyrese Halliburton. That's a solid pick. A a, a home run, potentially, with either one of those two guys. But you fall into that risk. One of the names that's been kind of floated out there this past week is Aaron Naismith, a forward from Vanderbilt who I think a number of people have been uh, throwing out there as possibly a guy that the Knicks could draft uh, this at this upcoming draft. Um, he's someone we haven't talked a ton about so far uh, during these last couple of weeks and all the, all the times we've talked NBA draft uh, on this podcast. Here's the tough part uh, with Aaron Naismith. There's, there's two big, big, I wouldn't even say red flags, but two things that give me pause about Aaron Naismith. He's a, he's a multi-positional guy, can be a guard or a forward. He's a 6'6", guy, I think he's 210, I think he's 215 actually. He's 215 if my memory is right. Um, actually, ESPN's got him at 213, it's a couple pounds difference. So here's where I go. Uh, again, the two two causes for concern slightly for Aaron Naismith. Number one, he has not played competitive basketball since January eighth, two thousand and twenty. That's a bit of a concern. Believe me, I believe. Um, and actually, let me double check this. This was something that I didn't. Uh, forgive me. This is something I didn't double check. Pardon me before the 
start of the podcast, um, he stopped playing on January 8th, but there might have been something behind that. Um, let me just double check. He declared for the draft. Yeah, so he did have an injury. And, he, and again, this is the tough thing about college basketball is when you assume someone's injured, you sometimes forget that there's you can be academically ineligible, you know, the guys transfer and leave the team and there's a lot of, you know, and when you there's a lot of that's going around when you mix up players, um that could really, you know, you you lose track. He missed the he he, he got injured and missed the rest of the season. So, right off the bat, to me that is a little bit of a cause for concern because that's a long time for a young kid. Remember, uh, Aaron Naismith, for those that know him, the kid was a sophomore in college last season, only played 14 games. And, and, and by the way, it was a foot injury just to confirm that for those that I'm sure, but they must be asking. It was his right foot that he injured and he, he, he missed the rest of the season. It was a stress fact, a stress fracture. Pardon me in his foot and, and Vanderbilt fans and staff, they knew he wasn't going to come back as soon as that injury happened. They knew he was going to go to the pros. He had too good of a year at Vanderbilt from early November to early January. He averaged 23 points per game. He averaged five rebounds per game and an assist per game shooting just over 51% from the field. And I think his three point shooting was also pretty solid. Yeah. 52% from three and he actually took eight threes per game that's pretty darn good so listen Aaron Naismith is a really talented basketball player but he's young and he's coming off a stress fracture in his right foot those are two big uh, pauses for me right off the bat however there's a third thing for me that makes me think that the Knicks probably shouldn't have him on his ra- on, on the radar. And it really has nothing to do with him. It has nothing to do with him and everything to do with, with really team needs and positioning in the draft. I don't think the Knicks are in a spot to take him. I, I really don't. I, I think when you look at how it's set up at the moment, and again, a lot can change because simply of the of the of the lottery. So much could really mix this whole thing up. But with Aaron Naismith, I, I think, listen, if I had, if the Knicks had the 15th pick along with the 6th pick or the, you know, the 20th pick, then I'd think, hey, could they trade up maybe to, to 12 or 13, maybe snatch him. But Naismith's not going to be a top 5 pick. He's probably not going to be a top 7 pick. My guess is Aaron Naismith goes anywhere from late lottery maybe 9, 10, 11, to probably 15. That's probably the area where Naismith is going to get a lot of teams that really want him. I think those are the options when it comes to this kid. I think a lot of people want him. I think he's got a lot of upside. Very talented young kid. No question about that. I just don't think, like the Knicks have a late, late first round pick. I don't think they're going to be in a position to get him that late and if you've again the Knicks again I'll knock on wood for this but the Knicks are likely going to be picking seventh or eighth at the worst or 
second or third at the best. Like, there's there's too many good players ahead of Aaron Naismith that the Knicks can't pass on from from two to seven. So if you're thinking up top, like, could he could it be is he worth taking? I should say with that first first round pick. I think the answer is no because of what you'll be passing on. There's just too much good top talent in this draft towards the very top. The Knicks have to get one of those guys. And the second part of it, again, many people, you know, a few people named him, reaching out to me, but also there have been a couple of articles trying to make a case to take him. The Knicks need a point guard. Like, I, I can't stress that enough. I keep coming back to that, but it's it's vital the Knicks need a point guard. Like, there's really no dancing around that. And Aaron Naismith would feel, with, let's say with the sixth pick, like, not only a reach, but, whoa, like, not the number one, like, not the top position the Knicks need either. Now, it, it fills one need, talent. The Knicks need talent on this roster. But now you're looking like, man, hey, you just drafted R.J. Barrett with a top three pick. Why are you taking Aaron Naismith with this top pick? You've already got someone similar to him on the roster in, in a lot of ways. So, arguably better in R.J. Barrett, obviously. Barrett's had, it for the most part, a solid rookie season. Been arguably the, the only bright spot for this Knicks season that, that has officially ended. So, I look at position... On the team, point guard specifically, position in the draft, and then draft need here. And I don't think Aaron Naismith fits those criteria, those those pieces of criteria that would fit what the Knicks are trying to do for not only next season, but also the future. And and listen, if that second first round pick was again, I think I mentioned this earlier, 2019. Now he's kind of closer to be being within range where you think, do you think about trading up to get him? But I don't think the Knicks are really in position with either of their first two picks to consider him. I think he's going to be more of a middle for a mid first round pick. Again, might touch the lottery. There's a slight possibility of that, but I don't think the Knicks, in, in part of it's good and other part of it's bad will be in position to take them because with that first pick, you're going to be expecting the Knicks to be high enough where they say, hey, we're talking about maybe getting LaMelo Ball or Cole Anthony or Tyrese Halliburton or, again, who knows, maybe they hit the jackpot and maybe higher than that. But that's the positive. The negative is that second round pick is not high enough where you would think he's he's within range to go get him. So... He's kind of in that middle area where I would probably think, you know what, probably not worth putting all the chips in to go get him. And there's other guys out there, right? I mean, the bottom of the first round, arguably, is just as deep with guards as the top half of the first round. There's a lot to choose from down there. And the Knicks have that that second round pick early on as well, early in the second round where they can really reap the benefits of another point guard. Again, Emmanuel quickly could still be around there from Kentucky. If you get, and again, this is why I've, and this is the last time I'll say it on this show, because we got to take a break, but <laughs> if, you, 
if you nail that first pick, if you get LaMelo Ball or Cole Anthony or Tyrese Halliburton, for me, all those three would be a win with that first pick. You can, you can, you can play with a little house money the rest of the draft. Well, hey, ooh, this guy looks, I mean, we really like that guy. Where does he fit? Okay, maybe we take him. There's another guard that we like. Oh, let's take a look at maybe getting hit. Like, you can you can play around a little bit more. Still got to make good picks, hopefully. But once you get that hopefully franchise-changing point guard, potentially, with that first pick, you can then look to, to add in either another area of need, which is just talent in general, or the wing positions for the Knicks, or... You can grab maybe another guard or maybe another big man to maybe put a little pressure, positive, hopefully, you know, constructive criticism kind of pressure on Mitchell Robinson to help him get his game going in the right direction. And then you got two really talented bigs doing work for you next season. Those are the kind of options I'm hoping at the end of draft that I'm looking at and I'm thinking the Knicks have going forward. That's if we're if I'm talking about this exact same thing at the end of draft night. The Knicks will have had an A-plus NBA draft. A-plus. That is what could happen and be on the table for the Knicks if they nail that first pick. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll dive into some of the bullet points surrounding the NBA bubble down in Orlando. All that more is next on the Shock Jock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, let's dive into the NBA bubble down in Orlando, Florida, as the NBA season is just around the corner. The restart, hopefully, knock on wood, is just around the corner. Um, Didn't get to touch on uh, Aime Udoka as much as I wanted to in the first segment. He's kind of a wild card Knicks coaching candidate. I don't mean to leave him as a footnote here, um, but he's one of apparently... uh, one of the outside options that people are kind of pushing to see if the Knicks will, you know, maybe be, who knows, maybe be interested in, he's one of the uh, 10, uh, excuse me, 10 Knicks coaching options, not named Tom Thibodeau, according to the New York Post, uh, the clear favorite. So it's, it's nice to see that as an option, but again, he falls under the category of, that's great, you know, but, but we've got a couple of really bona fide options at the top but to be fair who knows he could be a mastermind in years to come so we'll have to see but for now we're not really sure what he can bring to the table when you've got a known commodity there who's got a good relationship with the front office and and with them all on the same page could do some big time things that's tough to ignore it'll be interesting to see what the Knicks decide to do with that situation going forward but the New York Post has a good article on I'm a Udoka if you want to go take a look at that uh, and learn more about him. 
Let's dive into the NBA bubble. We're diving in head first uh, to see what's going on right now. Again, arguably not looking great right now. It's funny. It depends on who you, what you listen to right now. I don't love that. You know, it feels a little too political to me when you look. You know, when it's, when it's ESPN and they have rights to the NBA and and things like that, and it's very it's going to work out and there's issues, but they're going to figure it out and stuff like that. And and again, they're probably right, but it almost feels too positive. Like they're not, it's almost like they're not being, it's harsh. I feel like it's harsh me just saying this, but every time I hear that, I just think, but there's a lot to get, like there's a lot of obstacles. There's a lot of obstacles to make this happen. So I go back to that, but the other thing to consider is there's more news coming out. Dwight Howard, for example, claims he reported or he was reported for COVID-19 violations after repeatedly sharing maskless videos, apparently. Like, this is something I read earlier today. Uh, this is from, I believe, Brandon Robinson, uh, an NBA reporter, and Dwight Howard on apparently what's an NBA snitch hotline, it's being called. Somebody told on him. So somebody snitched on him that he wasn't wearing a mask. I... And I think Brandon Robinson, by the way, is in the bubble. So he's he's going to be one of the reporters that you know knows what's going on. But... What I think about immediately is this. It, I, I come at it from 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 two sides. Listen, I'm not a big fan of snitches either. I, I'm not a big fan of it in in certain cases, but in but in this case, in this case, when it's not just Dwight Howard who could be affected by this, and not just NBA players who could be in, uh, impacted by this, there's thousands of other people in this bubble, reporters. Walt Disney workers, hotel people, staff in general, like kids in some cases that work at these resorts could be impacted by this. I'm not talking like, you know, minors, but young people. Somebody told him he's not good enough. It's you made a mistake. Someone told on you because this is serious. You know, nobody, you know, you didn't get snitched on because you ate a couple extra donuts in the snack line at lunchtime. You got snitched on because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not wearing a mask. And in this case, according to Brandon Robinson, didn't have one. Or didn't have it on, I should say, at the time that this, this, uh, Snitch told on him, quote-unquote. And apparently this is an NBA snitch. Hotline-ish Smith, apparently, has uh, has commented on this as well. I'll get you his quote. It was, it was interesting, no question about it. This is in result of several players being reported. There's apparently a... A tip hotline for rule breakers within the bubble. In Disney World, it's anonymous. 
players and other people can report who has not been wearing masks and hasn't been social distancing. I think this is fantastic. It's a great idea. And to keep it anonymous is even better. I love that. Apparently, it's a debate around the league whether that's good. Wizards Gardish Smith said this on whether he would report violations. Quote, no. I used to get whoopings when I was younger for telling, for being a tattletale. I ain't saying anything. My hands are clean. I get why he thinks that. I get that. I totally understand what he what he means by that, what, where he's coming from with that. It makes sense. He, he went on to say, quote, I understand guys do it because you want to keep the bubble clean. We want to keep playing. We want to keep doing things safe because it has been running smooth. We want to keep it that way for these few months. I also understand guys who are a little frustrated, who are, who are a little frustrated and a little restless. And he, he, one more thing he adds is, I'm not shunning anybody who does use it or will use it, but I'm not going to use it. Perfectly said. That everything he just said there makes perfect sense to me. He doesn't want to be seen as that. He doesn't want to be the one pointing the finger because he just wants to do what he's doing. He doesn't want to cause any trouble with, you know, as far as respect between players and things like that. I respect that decision. However, with Dwight Howard, if someone says, you know what, I got to say something here. This is not right. He should not be doing this. That's okay too. And, and, and Ish Smith is saying that. It's okay. Because this is important. Not only for the bubble, but for society as a whole. This is important. To get this right in the bubble and outside of the bubble. Now again, there's no hotline outside of the bubble. There's no one you can call and say, hey... So-and-so's walking down the street and cr- and passed somebody, didn't cross the street, they weren't social distancing. Do something about it. I'm anonymous. And then hang up the phone. Click. Not really going to happen. But in the bubble, the NBA, I think, is doing all it can to make sure everybody stays safe. And if somebody felt uncomfortable, they had a right to share that. And I love how Ish Smith put that. He's like, you know what? I wouldn't do that, but if you're going to do that, we got to keep this bubble clean. I'm not going to do it, but if you do that, I respect that as well. You can't say it much better than that. It's perfectly put by Ish Smith. And for Dwight Howard just to say, somebody told on me. Not enough responsibility being put in to making sure the bubble is clean on his part. No question about that. Couple more quick hits. Uh, Zion Williamson left the NBA campus uh, for a family medical emergency. This is some of the things that kind of came up before the bubble um, that were a possibility of coming up. You know how this should be handled and things like that. Uh, apparently, um, it's an urgent family medical matter. Zion Williamson, according to this, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans Twitter account uh, and their official statement intends to rejoin the team in Orlando for the NBA restart at a later date. He'll obviously have to quarantine when he comes back to the bubble as well. The Pelicans support Zion and his family and the decision, and they're not going to comment further at this time. Just wanted to throw that out there because this is one of the examples that was kind of thought about 
early on in the decision to bring up the bubble. What were they going to do, right? What were they going to do if somebody had to leave? And obviously people have left to get food because the food's not good and they have to quarantine. Those guys, you know, there's those exam- Those are more of ignorant, you know, examples of the bubble being used poorly by players specifically. But this is much more serious. This is, you know, something that has to be set up. So Zion can comfortably say to his team and his teammates and to himself, I got to leave. This is where I need to be right now. And then when I can, I'll come back. I'll go through the protocols. And then at some point, if we're still playing, I can play. That's, this is a perfect example of the bubble being used the right way. And for, for Zion to be able to take care of a family matter, to be there for a family member or whatever the case may be during this time, the NBA, that again, big green check mark right there. For the NBA, setting that up properly. I think that's fantastic. And really, again, the way that this should be done. You know? So it was one of those things where... that You know, that was great to see. So it was nice to hear that as well. Apparently, uh, Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum ran into LeBron James uh, in the bubble. Um, I think it was an interview that... Uh, I want to say that uh, Kemba Walker gave to Taylor Rooks, I want to say, um, who is also inside the bubble, I believe, as well. And they did this over uh, video chat. Um, I thought that was interesting. You know, again, like, this is one of those things. Like, I, the, the, the article goes into, like, oh, it's cool seeing LeBron being casual and things like that. Um, but to me, what, what I thought was interesting was that, you know, again, NBA players can see each other, and apparently there's going to be a point where it's going to be more open to the players when they're in there for a certain period of time in the bubble and without symptoms, of course, things like that. There will be an opportunity for them to interact with more teams, more teammates, and things like that. I like that. So it was kind of interesting to see, like, the early stages of that and, and things of that nature. So hopefully more interaction so the players will be a little bit more comfortable are on the horizon, but the way the NBA is doing it right now is strong. So far, it's going well. Uh, hopefully, that can continue. Um, one of the, the the cons, we just went through all the pros, and I'll end the show here on this, because uh, th- this just came out about... Actually, this came out just as I started recording. So, <laughs> this actually happened as I hit the record button almost. Um to start this, this is news that just came out that you'll you'll have heard a little bit later on, or you you know you'll already know. But it, this is late for me because this happened during recording. Eric Bledsoe has tested positive for COVID nineteen, um, according to uh, Yahoo Sports reporter Chris Haynes. Apparently, uh, again, there's this is a it's a duo thing here. Some good news and some bad news. Good news. The bad news is he tested positive. The good news is he's not feeling any symptoms. The virus is not affecting him very much at the moment. Uh, And he's hoping to get back as soon as possible. Uh, That's all according to uh, Chris Haynes, uh, which is great to see. Again, no symptoms for Eric Bledsoe, but he does have 
the virus, and again, not great uh, for the Bucks. He's obviously been fantastic for them this season, so hopefully for their sake, he can come back sooner rather than later, but obviously for his health, hopefully he will be okay. He did not travel with the Bucks to Orlando, so that's even better for the bubble. He was not in the bubble, never entered the bubble, I should say, as well. They're going to give him, I guess, a few weeks. My mind, that means 14 days to uh, recover, make sure he doesn't have any symptoms, and if he doesn't, he can rejoin the team, I'm guessing, after a couple of negative tests, and he can get back into the bu- or get into the bubble and start getting ready for the restart to the NBA season. So I come at this, uh, I'll end the show, I come at this with, with two thoughts. Number one, problems are coming up. I mean, there's no question about that. There was really nothing that the NBA could do to avoid that. You know what I mean? That's the other part of this. So, the protocols that are in place are seemingly, at the moment, working. And that's the number one thing. So, at the moment, an applause is definitely worth giving to the NBA and Adam Silver and company. So far, so good for the NBA bubble. And hopefully, by the time July 31st comes around, it'll be full steam ahead for games down in Orlando, and we'll finally settle the 2019-2020 NBA season. Thank you guys, as always, for listening to the show. That's the end of this week's podcast. If you want to get more from me, at SSaintJ7 on Twitter is the place to go. Follow me there. Keep up with not only what stuff I'm doing with the podcast, but stuff I'm doing around other sports and other sports media things as well. And to get the podcast first, I post it on my Twitter account every week. iTunes is there for you as well with the podcast and wherever else you get your podcast as well. We are there. Make sure to go there. Leave us a nice rating and review as well. And again, thank you as always for listening to the podcast. Have a great week and I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.